Welcome back to Dadlit. I am your host, Chris Ludwig, and I am joined by my co-host, Connor Boyle. This is our second part to our episode on Bad Luck and Trouble by Lee Child. Soon to be the next installment in the Reacher television series on Amazon. In part one, we discussed the plot, and now join us as we discuss some of the themes, how we would rate this book, and how we would cast it if we were making a production. Thank you, and enjoy. One thing I wanted to talk about is the themes in this book. I can rattle off a list of like key words that are technically themes. Um, Loyalty, vengeance, friendship, independence, freedom. And the one I want to talk a little bit about is, is regret. Reacher kind of second guesses himself multiple times in this book. I mentioned earlier that the issue of money comes up that uh, frequently he's out of money and he's kind of embarrassed. Reacher is surrounded by his peers in this book and they all have very successful careers. Some are more successful than others, but they all make pretty good money and have jobs. And Reacher in multiple points begins to look at his post army life and his decision to live this hobo lifestyle. And he, he begins to wonder if he's made the correct decision. Um, let me read a quick little piece. He's talking to Carla Dixon. I've missed you, she said. Missed you all, I mean. Me too, he said. I didn't realize how much. You like life after the army, she asked. Yes, I like it fine. I don't, but maybe you're reacting better than me. I don't know how I'm reacting. I don't know whether I'm reacting at all. I look at you people and I feel like I'm just treading water or drowning. You all are swimming. Uh, I thought that was a kind of... It was a good image, good kind of description of, of Jack Reacher's lifestyle or, or, or the conundrum that he finds himself in. Obviously, it's not too much of an, of an issue for him because he, he, you know, at the end, he decides to continue on with this lifestyle. But in my reading of the Reacher novels I've read, the few of them I've read now, it was the first time I'd ever seen him kind of falter. And I thought it was, it, 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 it was a good thing to include in the book because he's surrounded by people he, he sees his peers and he sees how he could have ended up like all of them. He could have had his right. a business. You see different, different types of businesses, different types of applications of their uh, expertise. Um, and any one of them, I could see Reacher doing. I could see him as an analytical big brain. I could see him as a private investigator. I could see him as more of like um, uh, a free agent that works like, almost like a mercenary. Like, I don't know. There's like so many times that um, Megley feels like she's doing different things, but um, I could see him doing any of those things and more. Uh, and like, it's a good point. Like you see him not just falter, but there's a couple points in this book where this is very personal, and I don't just mean the revenge story, but the relationship he gets with Dixon, the seeing all of his old team before, bringing up all of their past. Like all of that stuff is a, a certain level of vulnerability that we aren't used to seeing from Jack Reacher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and why Jack Reacher chooses this lifestyle is kind of interesting. He's in another book. Well, don't. So I I, I understand like in the general sense, like 
He likes to travel. He doesn't want to be tied down like with formalities and and but but why? Maybe you could talk a little bit about why he does choose this lifestyle because I feel like it. Oh, there's a whole book about it. One of the books is a prequel that is about a case that he's on where he has to um, get into the head of and impersonate a vagabond as like an undercover job and uh he like learns a lot of the things that we see as his regular behavior in that book and discovers that he likes the freedom and that he's kind of done with the bullshit of working for the government working for the military and it's like the book where he decides to more or less like just walk around for the rest of his life i guess what what um putting myself in Reacher's shoes, I would be looking at my friends and I would be wondering like, okay, I know why I like this lifestyle, but can I not still have the things I like about this lifestyle and do what they do? Like They bring that up in other books too. Um, he talks about, I can't remember which book it is, but there's one of them where he has a relationship that carries over from the previous book. And he starts off like driving around in someone else's car and going to see this woman, and like he decides to leave. And someone's like, "Like, why do you live this life? Why don't you like settle down or whatever?" And he's like, "There's too many entanglements. You you just have one pair of clothes. Why don't you buy like several pairs?" He's like, "Well, then I have to get a bag to carry them in, and then I have to worry about washing them." And it's like, if if I get clothes, then I'm gonna need somewhere to put them. And it's like, if I you know, then you get like, I need a washer and dryer. If I need a washer and dryer, I need a house. If I have a house, I need a car. And there's all these things that he rattles off about like how, um, almost like a web that we put ourselves into to live in normal civilization. All of the things that we are attached to that we don't realize that we have uh, more or less a relationship to and that he doesn't. He doesn't have to rely on, like, he does nothing to house, including himself. He has nothing to hold on to except for a toothbrush and a bank card. He has nothing to worry about keeping, and that includes relationships. He doesn't have people. Um, that's why he didn't go to New York. Uh, I think he views relationships as something that he has to be responsible for and that is something that will tether him. It's interesting the way you described it is like that there's like an accelerating effect. Like, yeah, I could, you know, go like live with Carla Dixon and help out. It just builds on itself. Next thing you know, yeah, yeah I've got a toothbrush. Well, next thing you know, I'm like, well, I've got a towel. Next thing you know, I've got a, two pairs of jeans. And before you know yeah, it, exactly. I'm just, you know, I'm living the life I didn't want to live. So, you know, he has to kind of sacrifice even though he might be tempted to think or one would be tempted to think that yeah i, I could do it you know i could i could i could settle it's down a little interesting, yeah and it's an interesting level of freedom that he has that has been appealing to me multiple times in my life both reading these books and just like considering uh crossroads that i've come across it all comes down to money though like the fact that he can live that vagabond life is because he has the like pension and bank account that he has and that he can take up odd jobs here and there uh, in certain books and, like, gain extra money or rob drug dealers and get extra money because he's capable to do that. But on the most part, he always has that pension to fall back on. And that allows him to go wherever he wants. 
I don't have that kind of thing, so I can't have the Jack Reacher lifestyle. Yeah, it's um, but like feeling. you think about there's there's little things that he lays out that you don't think about in your everyday life. It's like if I walked away from my life right now and just became a vagabond, what are all the things that I'm leaving behind? I have all these belongings and people and friends and stuff like that that I'd have to give up to just walk around. So it's like a, it's a trade off, and it's a trade that he's not willing to make. He just wants the ultimate freedom. The fact that he is so so capable too, I think, is I mean that's like the big context for it all is that he can sleep yeah. out. He can you know he's no one's if anyone tries to mug him, it's not going to work out. If he needs money, yeah. he can rob a bank or a drug dealer. You know, it's like there's a toughness to it too that is just not really an issue for him. Well, and he's hyper capable, so any he could pick up any odd job like one of the books it starts off he's like digging pools in florida because he's physically able enough i think is that echo um, burning i think so yeah. um and then there's a couple of other ones where he gets like jobs as like a bouncer it you he really could just walk in most places and be like hey i'm so and so i'm physically able to give me a job and people would be like yeah sure um, yeah, being a bouncer, I mean, probably pay us. It's it's that's it's not bad, and you probably get paid cash if you need to. Um, exactly. So you mentioned but he, like he also has all the like the survival skills though. So like if he doesn't get housing for a night, he can just post up somewhere and make a lean to and like live out in the wild if he needs to. Like he could literally just be a mountain man if he if he wanted or needed to. You know what they don't talk about enough in this is that like. He must really stink much of the time. Like if you don't, if you're walking around all day and you go like even two days without a shower and you show up like at a hotel desk or at a diner, you're going to doesn't have deodorant. You're going to reek. You are going to doesn't have deodorant. You're going to like clear the room with your smell. Correct. Well, and he does stay in motels once in a while, and they talk about in books how he like cleans his clothes and washes them in the the sink or in the tub or whatever and then like hangs them up uh, in the shower to get steamed so that he can get wrinkles out and then lays them underneath the bed's mattress so that they get pressed and like he lays out like how he does his laundry basically or just throws them out and buys new clothes he does buy a couple uh, different outfits in this one i think at one point he he's bu- he buys this like blue and white striped shirt that is like very strange like i was i couldn't imagine what like they were describing it but it, it seemed like a very like I, I imagine it is, is having like the effect of like a, a Hawaiian shirt. It was a very kind of weird design on it. I was thinking like a like a yachting shirt, like someone that goes on a yacht with like a like a polo almost. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it was, it was yeah. something kind of odd. Which would look kind of out of place on Joe. No, he just Yeah, it's it's an interesting lifestyle that he lives and it's one of those things, like I said, that would not be possible without his set of skills and his bank account. I think in one of the books, it does talk about his boots and how he tried to hang, like hold on to this good pair of boots, like you, sure. like you you shouldn't throw those, you shouldn't replace those. But okay, let's. You ready for the dad lit checklist? Pew, pew, pew. Absolutely. Okay. Hyper competent male protagonist. Of course. Character with signature item. Yes. O'Donnell. Yeah, with his porcelain knife and uh, porcelain knuckles. The knuckles. Um, yeah. We also have a signature weapon and or vehicle. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I want to call the, the, the missile system as like. No, I wouldn't call. I, wouldn't, I don't think that. I don't think that's what we're talking about. Right. Henchman. Um, I guess so. I would say yes. Because there's the guy. 
Yeah, but they're not like named really. Like, but that's a uh, they... Ansari's guys, and you've got like the cops. I guess the 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 cops sort of is a henchman. Well, all of the um, security team for New Age, the 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 company yeah. where dark. I guess the pilot would be considered a henchman too. for sure. The 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 but the security yeah. team all wear dark blue suits, and like one of the guys is referred to as like the man in the dark blue suit. So they they kind of like a okay, they have like yeah, a yeah, uniform. Yeah. Okay. Um, elite fighting force. Mm, I don't think the special investigators, but mess. They're they're not they're not like a SWAT team. You know what I mean? They're they're mess. Yes, they are. With the special investigators, they kind of are in the sense that they're like detective SWAT they team. They used people. to be a SWAT team. This is like post SWAT team, but yeah, like they used to be a special investigations team that you don't mess, mess with. With the special. They're an not investigating team. force, uh, not a fighting yeah. force. <laughs> but they do all that kind of. They stuff, actually, though. I will say like, yes because they it kind of describes. You say that they move without they they know how each other is going to move and think. Like I feel like that's an elite fighting force. They are kind. They, it talks about how they they were kind of specially put together. It gets a little bit into the history of their special investigations team and how like it was a special army project. So I'll say okay. Yeah. Let's say yes. Technician class characters. Yeah, the guy that had to put those cards into the rocket launchers so that they'd work. Pencil-necked bureaucrats. Um, I'm going to say a little bit because they're. I think the villain is kind of one of those. He's like a corporate bad, like a corporate douche. Well, I I think that the they're not necessarily like okay. Nagley frequently calls up her government contacts, and multi- multiple times they're very much like, "Oh, I can't talk about that. I don't want to talk about that." But like she, sure, is- yeah, we can count. Yeah, that. okay. President as character, no. Nope. Cameos of famous historical figures, no. Jack Reacher, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Texans, no. No. Competency shift. Oh, uh, not really. I don't think any of them really get like nerfed out of plot reasons or anything. No. Well, I feel like Nagley kind of gets tricked at the end. She she gets tricked, but I don't think that like she she's sent on that side mission because he trusts her to get it done. I don't think yeah. it's really a competency shift. I think it's just he knows what he's gonna go do, but that's not really lowering her competence competency at all. Okay, misogyny, racism, and other outdated modes of thinking. No, not really. Excessive smoking. No. No. Excessive drinking. No. Cold War context, no. Gratuitous no. sex scenes, no. But I do want to talk a little bit about yeah. the Carl, Carla Dixon romance a little bit, and I figured this would be a good place to do it. I, I really like the way it was done because they meet up, they're alone together. It refers to the fact that Reacher thinks she's attractive, and they have this conversation where they're like, hey, you know, we're not in the army anymore. And they're like, yeah, we're not in the army anymore. Did you always find me attractive? Yes. I always found you attractive. Okay. So let's jump into bed together. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah, it's like logic. It's like weirdly logical. They're, they're, they kind of celebrate the fact that Which they're not hindered. They both are weirdly logical, though. That's the thing. It's like it's two big brains being like, why not? It is It is rather matter of fact. They're kind of I, – I liked the, the, the kind of freedom of it where they're like, yeah, we're not in the army anymore. We don't really need to worry about like – professionalism to that degree you know i i did detect a, a hint of like so nagley finds out about it and obviously like nagley and reacher are super tight but and we also hear that 
Nagley has experienced some kind of abuse in her background. She doesn't like anyone touching her. If someone touches her, like she'll like break their arm. And because yep. of that, like it kind of acknowledges, I don't know if it does it explicitly, but basically that like Reacher never even considered like being intimate with her. It was just like, it was just never really an option. Um, and then Nagley finds out about Dixon and Reacher and she, she kind of can tell, you know, and she's not really upset about it, but I feel like there was kind of a hint of, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think that Nagley would be, I won't, I don't know, I don't want to say jealous, but a little like, I don't even want to say resentful either. Maybe jealous, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a, Jack Reacher is a desirable man. Sure, sure. Kind of a literary thing. But I think it's also clear that like Nagley and Reacher have something like very, very deep, you know. Um, yeah. So I won't, I'll say this is not gratuitous sex scenes, but it is sort of like, I'll use this term in a very open way, like free sex. It's very like, hey, we're not in the army anymore. And, and then in Reacher's sort of like, yeah, at the end, I don't even want to say that. It's um, it's yeah. very casual. I'll say it's very like casual, casual sex, yeah. like, but it uh, it's sex positive. It is, but, it is, yeah. and I. But at the end of it, Dixon kind of leaves it open, like we could pursue this more, and he's like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not, I ain't about that life, baby." <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> That'd be an awful way to end the book. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's not Bruce Campbell. Okay, uh, moving on with the uh, the checklist. Uh, salvage operation yeah. fails the Bechdel test. Um, I don't know. I I feel like Dixon and Nagley talk, but I can't remember. It's been too long. I, if I feel like they do, and I mean they exchange some dialogue, they have to. Um, but is it is it ever a discussion that's not about a man? And I don't. I think it's all about men because the essence of their case is about men. But it's not necessarily about like men in like relationship context. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Does it? It, Because the way the Bechdel test is, it's two women talking to each other about something other than a man. But they're not necessarily talking about like a man. They're talking about like a case that involves about a man. Hmm. I'm I'm sorry. It's just technicality, but that's how the Bechtel test works is technicality. I, I I don't think it passes. I don't think it passes. I, I'll have to go back and look, but I don't think it passes. I understand the Bechtel test to mean that they're talking about a man in the context of like potentially being romantic with that person. If they're talking about it as it only kind of serves him in the story. I think that that's how a lot of people view it, but I I really do think that it's just are there women talking to each other about something other than a man that's it bottom line okay all right well let's move on so villain monologue maybe they talk about denny's i don't know (laughs) villain monologue yeah i I feel like there i think at some point yeah well it's it's certainly a villain monologue scene at the end where he's got everyone on the helicopter you know it's that's what i'm saying yeah villain anti-monologue no we don't get that um Breezy scientific and technical exposition, yeah, Absolutely. with the missile system. Uh, non-fictional framing device, no. Nope. Nuclear warheads, no. No. Multiple moles, I don't know. There's not multiple moles. There's a mole, but not multiple. Yeah. Uh, experimental technology, no. 
gun porn yes we get um you wouldn't you wouldn't classify little wing as uh you know what technology. absolutely because it is experimental yeah. technology yeah 100 percent. i don't know yeah i don't absolutely gun porn yes we we, yeah, we learned a little 100%. bit about the cult python um vehicle porn uh no honda civics yeah not really helicopters you better believe it submarines no both no okay structural elements does it have maps illustrations or diagrams in the first edition no do chapters include location and or date and timestamps? no does the author photo include a hawaiian shirt aviators navy ball cap antique car or dog no no um generally all of his uh author pictures are just him in a polo yeah he's he's with like it almost looks like a school photo because it's just like a color background or pretty whatever. restrained is there a large print version at your library is it checked out there there isn't a large print version at my library is it part of a series did you check did you look did you go and ask did you go down and talk to your little librarian and go hey i want a large print version because i'm blind as hell i just looked online at the catalog okay um is it part of a okay. series yes does the text include a teaser for the author's next book Yes, it does. Connor. <sighs> Go, move on. Move along. Okay. So let's, let's, uh, let's give it a dadlit rating. Uh, as, as a dadlit text, how dadlitty is it and how good is it as dadlit? How, how much would, would someone, if someone was uh, picking this book up and they wanted a dadlit feeling, would they get it? Um, I would give it like 75 well worn boots out of 100. Yeah, I, I would give it. Um, it it lacks, it lacks a a specific political context, like you know, uh, there's there's not like the Red Scare, communist menace. It's sort of it's no, narrow. But I don't think Dadlet has to have that. Like a Western doesn't have that, and no, it doesn't have to. But it definitely, I think, appeals more to the Dadlet reader when it sort of uh, has a strong political context sure this one is that's kind of why but that's kind of why i'm only giving it 75 no that's what i'm I'm just thinking about what i want to give it and why i'm not going to give it 100 sure it is critical of like the military industrial complex you know and again this is why i like uh, lee child is because it's it's kind of they're like pseudo military thrillers but they're critical of the military in many ways i mean you kind of just count you kind of just like contradicted yourself you said there was no political and then you immediately said that it talks about the military industrial complex well it's it's not political in the sense that it it, it doesn't involve multiple states acting against each other like current affairs yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's political and then it talks about power and government but not not in the bigger sense of like a john lacare spy novel you know yeah, 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 yeah so i would give it similarly i would give it 75 ralph Lauren polo yacht shirts <laughs> out of 100 and a pair of porcelain okay. knuckles oh man okay so let's rate it overall as a as a as a book you know uh as a thriller this second type of rating i like to think of it like would you recommend this book to your friends i would recommend it i don't think i would rate it highly among all of the literature that i've read but it's very entertaining it got me it it's what hooked me to this series yeah, I would. Uh, I I wouldn't recommend this book to my friends. I wouldn't if they were reading it. I wouldn't say don't read that. But there's other thrillers. I there's a lot of other thrillers I'd put before it. So I'm going to, in that regard, 
as just a as a as a piece of you know literature, I'd give it like sixty five out of one hundred cups of Denny's coffee. And I always find their coffees excellent. Denny's. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. Okay. Dadlit will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Everybody knows the Honda Civic has always been a practical car. But would you know one if you saw one? That was then. This is now. Honda introduces the new Civic. It has more doors, more comfort, and more advanced engineering. Then. Now. Now here comes everybody's favorite part of the show. Chris, are you what is are it? you ready to what are we are doing? Cast off. Oh, yeah, I am. Okay, so this is the part where we talk about if we were going to cast this book as a movie, what actors would we cast? And Chris, you always have some interesting decisions, and sometimes you do it uh, kind of historically, like if you were going to set this book in the '60s. But um, yeah, so so the last time we did the Reacher book, I I think I did the '80s as where I placed it instead of instead of pitching it for the TV show. Um, and I'm gonna kind of continue this as if there was a, a series of movies and put this one in like the early '90s. Okay. So like a couple of them have been made, and this is just another one in the series. Okay. Well, I think your casting is gonna be a lot more interesting than mine. But let's start off uh, with with the big guy, Jack Reacher. I'm going to continue my previous casting of Ving Rhames. Okay, that's cool. I remember that now. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, see, I just stuck with Alan Richson, so there you go. Not a bad choice. He's great. Okay, next up, Francis Nagley. Um, I went with uh, Nancy Allen. She's the, the lady that played uh, RoboCop's partner. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, and around that time period, like RoboCop two was like nineteen ninety or something like that. So like she'd be like a decent age to act alongside uh, Jack uh, Ving Rhames. I I would I like her. It's it is a little bit difficult for me to imagine her coldness, you know, but um, she could do it. I'm sure. Um, okay, for well for Francis Nagley, I said Michelle Rodriguez. Ooh. Okay. She she I feel like she would be good at like delivering like the the cold like the sort of like coldness and sort of uh unapproachable aspect of, of her character. I was gonna say the unapproachable aspect is definitely doable, yeah. Okay, next is Carla Dixon. Uh that was hard for me. Um so I went with Regina King. You're gonna hack you're gonna have to enlighten me on, on Regina King. Have you seen Enemy of the State? Um, is that the one with? Oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. I have, I have. Yeah, uh, it play. It's Will Smith's wife in Enemy of the State. She's also in the new Watchmen um, series. Yeah, but I, mostly she was like prominent as an actor around like the early '90s, and I think that she could do like a I give her like a short hair or almost like a military cut, and I think she would fit in really well with that group. For sure. Okay. All right. I had. Who'd you get? Alexandra Daddario. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, she, she's yeah. going to have to be, I think when you're casting this, she's going, you know, she hooks up with Reacher. She's going to be a 
pretty care, you know, pretty actress. So I, I gave her. Yeah, sex sells. That's right. Um, <laughs> so next is David O'Donnell. I want to hear yours first. Okay, I p- I picked this actor. His name's Matthew Good, and he played Ozymandias Good. in the Watchmen movie. And I think he's in Downton okay. Abbey. He's just like a very clean cut, you know, yeah, <laughs> very yeah. British looking guy. You know, good looking British guy. That'll work. I, I'm actually not even sure if he's British, but <laughs> whatever. You, you know, you get the type that I'm looking Speaking for. Speaking of British people, can you guess early 90s who I cast as David O'Donnell? Hugh Grant? No. <laughs> T. Dalt. T. Dalt? Yeah, Timothy Dalt. Oh, Timothy Dalt. Okay. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, so like right off the heels of him playing James Bond, he's still rather young and thin. Um, he can do that like charming bite to him, uh, and I can see him doing any of the action scenes. You know, if if there was some way of making him look much bigger, or like maybe just pump him full of steroids, like I could see him as a Jack Reach as Jack Reacher. Like he's tall, broad shouldered. I I can't, but. I wouldn't say no to Timothy Dalton in any role. As an 80s version of Jack Reacher? You could cast him You could cast him as Dora the Explorer, and I'd agree with it. Okay. All right. Next one up I have is Margaret Berenson. And they sometimes refer to her as the Dragon Lady because she's sort of like a HR professional who doesn't like to give out information. She's Now, hold on. Hold on. Before we go to Dragon Lady, did you cast any of the other special investigators? I didn't. Um, actually, I, I think I, I did of, uh, Calvin, Calvin Franz. I did. Yeah. Who'd you have, as, who'd you have thrown out of that? Okay. I thought this would be a good kind of fun little nod to the fans. Uh, Lee Child. Ooh, I like that a lot. Actually. He gets thrown out of the helicopter really in the first good. scene. Yeah. Um, so I, early nineties, I wanted someone that's likable. You're not going to get a lot of time to get to know them, so you have to have immediate audience like recognition and um, kind of like a gut punch of like, oh no, this person got killed. So I picked Judge Reinhardt. Oh, okay, that's good. He, yeah, that's good. Yeah, the the partner from Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> um, and like in the early '90s, he would have been very charming and popular. And to see him suddenly get like horribly murdered would be jarring well well you know okay so who else did you have for the special investigators okay so tony swan uh we don't really get to see him but i cast wayne knight who is that uh he's the guy that plays dennis nedry in jurassic park and uh oh okay human in Seinfeld. okay i have he's kind of short and wide and uh i could see him being like an analytical investigative type of person okay i'm gonna pick someone for him too though and it would be the 80s version of this i'm now i'm transitioning into your to your 80s okay, casting okay, okay. um dennis franz he was in nypd blue uh he played sipowitz oh, perfect oh my god i love kind of like a cr- i can't believe i didn't i can't believe i didn't think of that especially since i immediately cast manuel manuel orozco as jimmy smith's Okay, I'm gonna have to remind myself of Jimmy Smith's is too. <laughs> Jimmy Smith's is his partner in when my Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's good. That's why I'm saying I can't believe I didn't think of him when I thought of Jimmy Smith's. Like that would have been such a good having both of them reunited as cast members on this would have been so fun. Okay, so you've got Tony Snow. I've got a Rose and I've got um 
uh, Jorge Sanchez as uh, Ruben Blades. No one's going to know who that is unless you've seen Predator 2. He's the, like, Spanish cop in Predator 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. he's, um, I'm trying to think what else he's been in. But, yeah, I know him from exactly. that, too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he was yeah, in so Fear I, the Walking Dead. I immediately Dead. thought of him for the look. Like, I was like, th- his face immediately came to my mind. But I was like, the only thing that I know him from is Predator 2. That works. That's good. All right. So, now, now we can go back to your list. So, Margaret Benson. B- Berenson. The, um, Berenson. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, the, like, uh, employee of New Age. Yeah, she's the HR lady. But she's yeah, she's not like when I say HR lady, it's funny. I say that, and I think of like some, you know, like m- m- someone like in like a floral print, like you know, uh, blouse, like behind a desk with like a perm. <laughs> like yeah. she's not that. She's sort of uh, she's very powerful. It seems like she's pretty powerful within the organization, and is pretty like pretty yep. cunning, you know. Yeah. So uh, Kathy Bates. Okay. That she could she could do it yeah, so I was thinking um, this actress Sarah Snook, she is in the TV show Succession, she plays um, Shiv in Succession. I just by the way I, I just before we recorded I just watched the last the, the series finale of Succession, and like I'm a little depressed not not at the outcome or anything it's just like the sh- I love that show so yeah. much. You, yeah, you're, you know, you have to wait for more. Or is there any no? More? It's Did it's the series finale. It's over. Yeah. See, so I have been putting off watching the Luther movie for the same reason that the, like the Luther movie on Netflix was like the conclusion of Luther, and there isn't going to be more. And I don't want it to be over. I still haven't finished the last season because I do this thing with Luther where I won't watch the end of the season until the next season comes out. And so like the movie came out, I'm like, oh, I can finish this season now, and I just haven't done it because I don't want it to be over. Okay, so next up on the list. I have Alan LaMason. He is the the director of uh, of New Age. He's the big villain. Um, he he is. You described him. He is sort of corporate geeky, but he's also you know like gets his hands dirty. You know, he's like he goes up on the helicopter and sees that these people are thrown out. I said Tim Roth. I could see it. I could see. How it. about you? Um, especially like modern day Tim Roth. For sure. Yeah. Mine is a little bit of a stretch for age. It's, he's gonna be a little bit young, but I can still see him as like a, a corporate asshole. We, we are talking about Lamison, right? Or Lam Lam Lamison. I'm just calling him Lamison. It's probably like Lamison. Yeah, sure. Like it's it's kind of it looks it's like a French. I think it's Lamas. Yeah, like Lamazon or something and, like that. Whatever. Uh, Anyways, I pronounce everything um, like a fucking dumb American. So I put Christian Slater. Okay, I mean that could work. So like early early nineties Christian Slater, uh, slick his hair, put him in a suit, maybe have him step out onto the the roof of the building in sunglasses. Like he could fire off some orders to the helicopter pilot or whatever. You know, I could see him get angry and like be uh, violent. How about a young Matthew Perry? I could also see what that. so like you're just gonna like throw me out of the helicopter? Okay, that's fine, cool. Yeah, that could be fun. That could be a little bit more comical, but I can I can take Christian Slater a little bit more seriously. Although Matthew Perry plays an excellent villain in the video game Fallout New Vegas. Does he? I see. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he wears a man in a checkered suit that's like 
uh, he's like a goon in the game, but he's also kind of the main antagonist, and you cannot wait to kill him, and it's so fun. Okay. Do you have any other casting choices that uh, that you came up? I with? did. I cast. I cast Curtis Monty. Um, I chose Chris Sarandon. Okay. Chris Sarandon played um, Humperdinck in Princess Bride. Um, he's uh, several other things around that time, but he isn't like. Oh, he's. He was kind of huge back then, yeah. but like not. He's anymore. in Fright Night. Yeah, exactly. And then I cast Ansari Mahmoud. In my mind, there was only one person for this, and it's a little bit of profiling, but um, Art Malik, the guy that was the terrorist in True Lies, who like got typecast as a terrorist in multiple things. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there is it Art Malik or Art Malik? It's probably Art Malik. Yeah. All right. Well, that's one for Connor. Um. <laughs> What? On, uh, you're always correcting my pronunciation. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's fine. So, um, okay. Any other ones that you did? No, that was all. That's all I had for castings. Well, too many. I think this will be uh, some of the casting decisions have been announced for the Reacher TV show uh, for season two. Um, I looked at. Yeah, I briefly looked at them. It's interesting that, like, it doesn't seem like any of the the other than the special investigators. Every other character seems like they have a different name. Yeah, I I didn't um I didn't really recognize many of the uh, the people that were cast. Which, but but at the, by the same token, like I didn't really know who Alan Richson was before they cast him in Reacher. Yeah, I didn't really know anybody from season one. Yeah. Really, actually, there is. The, I think the Carla Dixon is going to be Sorinda Swan, who I feel like I've seen her before, or the picture of her kind of rings a bell. But anyways, and don't we have a uh, Robert Patrick as somebody? I don't think so. Robert Patrick. Yeah, I think so. Oh, that well, I mean, that'll be interesting. That's yeah. the T one thousand, right? Yeah. Wow, that'll be cool. Maybe I could see him as um, La Maison or maybe one of those people. Well, Chris, if you've been reading the notes that I made, you're probably at the point where it says, Chris, do not read any further. I actually didn't even read that far. Oh. I got to the point where it said cast off and I stopped because I didn't want to know your cast offs. Let's, I want to play a game. Oh, Jesus, this again? Okay. This or that? Oh, boy. Okay, number one. Throwing an enemy out of a helicopter or throwing them underneath a moving train. Do I get to tie them up like a mustache-twirling Saturday morning villain? Or am I just tossing them in front of a train? Um, You get some time with them to kind of let it sink in, you know, what you intend to do. Pick train. I'm going to pick train. It's more. It's more like instantly satisfying yeah and also i think it would be kind of frightening like if i was if I, yeah i mean if i was getting thrown out of a helicopter i'd be like the 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 drop down's gonna suck but once i get there's a there's a really really well done scene in the show venture brothers with um a guy a guy getting put on railroad tracks and there's a really menacing villain monologue um delivered by clancy brown i fucking love clancy brown uh, I'll send it to you after we record because it's it's it deserves to be seen. Well, the poet James Dickey wrote this poem that is the story of this uh, apparently true story. This flight attendant got sucked out like the 
the door of, a, of an aircraft uh, in the middle of the Good flight. God, what? And he wrote a poem that's kind of like her perspective of like the fall down. Um, what? Okay. Anyways, I'll post it online. Um, okay. Okay. So you're saying throwing a villain under a train. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. What's next? Living the precarious life of a hobo adventurer traveling across the United States or operating your own private investigator business in a major U.S. city. Uh, definitely the vagabond. Okay. I think I would pick the PI business in a major U.S. city. You would. Of course. You'll be the guy that I have to call up when I'm on some sort of random adventure. Yeah, I... <laughs> or vice versa. You'll have to be like, hey, can you wander towards my town? I need you. <laughs> yeah, I'll get a... Bu- Get a bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Here's here's the last one. Engaging in a slow motion gunfight just off of the Las Vegas Strip. Or assaulting a dinner party of terrorists and weapons dealers with a shotgun in a remote New England seaside mansion a la Persuader, the book. That's a, that's hard. I think I'll take the mansion. Less entanglements. No one's gonna know what happened. I'll be long gone. Having a shootout on the Las Vegas Strip has too many entanglements. Too many witnesses. Too many. The cops are gonna be there. I'm gonna be on the run. Yeah. Even if I'm in the right. Even if I'm in the right. Even if I'm being assaulted by a bad guy, it's still too much paperwork. They they, they bury the guy in the construction site in that scene afterwards. Like they they drag him into the construction scene and put put him in like a shallow yeah. grave. It's and then they kind of later talk about how like it kind of smelled like they go, they have to walk by the next day and they're like it kind of smells like a dead body here and like I don't know it was it was pretty kind of gruesome that that component but yeah well the shotgun and the that was it those was the only questions well <laughs> you gotta make more of these these are fun. uh maybe next time I'll make ones for you okay okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I always like to end the show with a question of what are you reading right now? Um, so I'm finishing up our next book. Uh, the for if we want to announce it, I don't know, but uh, I'm finishing up our our, our next book. Go go ahead, go ahead. Where Eagles Dare, quite good. I like it so far. Uh, pretty quick, honestly. Uh, I've had to put it aside for a little while for some other reading, but. Uh, I've picked it back up and had no problem jumping right back in. I've been reading too many things, honestly. I've been jumping around quite a bit. I started Children of Memory, which is the third book in a sci-fi series that I quite quite fond I'm quite fond of. It's the third book of the like Children of Time series by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, it's not very hard in terms of how how like sciency it is. It's kind of free with it, um, but it really interesting subject matter very uh quick reads um very interesting stuff about like uh terraforming planets and settling and altering life forms uh and evolution and like the passing along of knowledge pretty optimistic stuff in terms of uh science fiction i rather like it i might uh i might send one of them to you they're pretty cool cool how about you um right now i'm reading a book called miami blues by charles williford and he is a crime writer. This is a crime novel set in Miami. Um, 
It uh, it was published in 1990, and it's a great Florida kind of uh, like romp. Like you go, they move through like uh, Miami Beach and the city of Miami and Kendall, and um, it's about this this uh, kind of lunatic who gets released from uh, prison and ends up in Miami, and it's about the detective trying to track. Um, it's about the detective investigating a few things. Um, but it's, it's quite funny. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite funny. I mean, it's dated. It's got some, you know, it's written with this perspective of South Florida that is not very, uh, <laughs> friendly to multiculturalism. You know, it's, it's got some, Great. yeah, but it's not, it's not the worst thing I've read. So there's a nice endorsement. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, once I finish that, I don't know what I'll read next, but um, I want to read the book that you sent me. Oh, Killer! Yeah, you showed me that when you got it and told me what it was about and showed me the cover. I was really into it, and uh, you sent it to me, so I'm really excited to dig into that at some point. I also sent Chris a um, a badge, a railroad agent uh, badge. Now we both have badges. that's right. Um, <laughs> I do want that way. When you call me on my vagabond travels, I can show up and we can be official. For sure, yeah. I I I have uh, that Clive Cussler, uh, Isaac Bell book, The Race, in my do in it. my desk at at work. I'm just such a like moody person when I finish a book and like when I when I want to read next, I'm like very indecisive and I'm like looking for. You're also very like you pick a thing and you you do it like. I'm always uh, surprised at like what I thought we were going to do next or what we you talked about reading next. And then you read three other things in the time that it takes me to ask you what you've been reading. And it's just like, wow, wow you just made these decisions so quickly and randomly. And like it's on a like I feel like it's on a very on a whim or by the seat of your pants. And I, I kind of admire that about you because I like will buy things and sit on them for a long period of time before I read them. I do that a lot too, but yeah, I, but occasionally, you know, I, I kind of tell myself too when I'm picking a new book, because as I start to approach the, the end of one book, I kind of start thinking about what I'm going to read next. And I, I usually kind of set my mind on something. But by the time I finish the book I'm reading, I'm like, I don't know if I want to read that next. And what I tell myself is pick something completely unexpected. And that's how I ended up reading this one. That explains it. This okay, one Western yeah. novel that I've been holding on to, part of the Fargo series, which is these like pulpy uh, Western, you know, adventure uh, series. But um, well, I think we talked about delving into some westerns next. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that'd be kind of cool. I also um, have these like seven. I've only read. Go ahead, sorry. I've only read like a few westerns, so like it's it's kind of a genre that. As much as I love westerns in film, I haven't really delved into western literature. Um, I think the probably other than the Isaac Bell stuff that you can barely call western, they're like turn of the century kind of westerns. Um, but like Blood Meridian, which I don't know if you've read Blood Meridian, but that's one hell of a western. That's one book on my TBR list, but I I don't know if we if like Blood and I granted I haven't read it, but I don't know how representative it is. is uh, it is of like the Western as like very well. It's the most. It's the most hardcore, gritty, dark Western you can ever experience. I think. But the Western series, as as a as, as literature and as popular literature, 
his kind is yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's similar to most westerns. yeah it's not like a louis l'amour novel or a zane gray novel no 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 it doesn't it definitely does not romanticize the west it's the opposite if anything it's like a western horror story i know i, like, I it's, not, i'm kind of saving not, it not horror not horror in the style of like monster or slasher but just like what the horrors of the west were and it's very good at doing that and it's, i've highly recommend it to anybody that likes intense reading i also have these like 700 page dean coons novels that are like looking at me from my book hey, we haven't done coons yet that came up today someone i was talking to about the podcast mentioned coons and i was like yeah we haven't done him yet yeah i mean there's um it's tempting it's very tempting is it? <laughs> How many of those Doctor Who books did you get through? Oh, I've read, um, I think maybe like five of them now. All right. We're almost to the point where I can do a quiz on it. I probably won't do too well. There, Some of them are good. Like I, I said, definitely want to do a, a scatter a scatter shot where I just quiz you on Doctor Who. Like I was saying, like some of them are much better than others. And there's this one guy, Terrence Dix, who, who wrote, writes the, some of them. And his style of it is much better than... Uh, than the other writers it really depends on like and, and it's now you're making me really want to do that episode we're definitely going to do a scatter shot of it I, I i teased it a while back as kind of a joke but now i really want to just discuss wacky old dadlit sci-fi with you and discuss doctor who both as a show and as a book series oh i re- so also this is good i want to recommend I, there's a uh i would call it like modern pulp uh series called um, fight card and what they are um, they are these like fight stories they're like boxing stories and they um, Ooh, that's not a genre we've discussed yeah and they're most of the fight card books are like short you know uh, like 100 120 pages historical boxing novels and I read I've only read one and it was really good. It takes place um, during the uh, the uh, Yukon gold rush. And it's about a guy, a, a, a bare knuckle boxer who ends up in um, this town in Alaska. And he he has to get involved in, a, in a, a, a prize fight. The other books are set in different times, you know, different historical contexts. Fight card also has like a more modern like MMA uh, line of stories that are not as like historically set. Um, when was the Yukon one written? This was written in like 2000, like, like I don't, I want to say 2019, but they're like, they're contemporary okay, so writers. Really recent. Yeah. They're yeah. very, Interesting. I, I can't say they're all very entertaining because I've only read one. The other one I, I have, I bought is about like some like, prison camp operated by the nazis and um it's but it's 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 like this nazi war criminal criminal operates this prison camp in africa um it's, it's and they have boxing in it yeah i think it's like it kind of reminds me it kind of reminds me of this really good episode of star trek where uh in uh, deep space nine uh the main characters are captured by this enemy army and they keep making war f- fight like like continuously like every single day until he's like worn out and one of the other characters like kind of becomes his coach and like while he's fighting the other characters are conspiring to try to figure out a way to break out so it's almost like a prison break episode but also like a weird boxing analogy but it's klingons fighting with like a klingon fighting with a batleth against 
these like weird lizard soldiers. It's really cool. It's a really good episode, but um, that kind of has that same kind of like uh, a prisoner camp fight club kind of a vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a it's a series I'm interested in reading some more of. Also, I've been uh, getting my hands on old Twilight Zone magazine um, editions from the '80s because Splatterpunk kind of like grew out of those magazines the twilight zone magazine which published fiction and it also published nonfiction, but it was publishing like early splatterpunk and you you see splatterpunk authors appear in in there in those stories and some of them are really good and i was reading a story um in one of the magazines uh by this guy gordon lindsner and it was a samurai story about um this samurai who's I don't know of kingdom or whatever that he lived in uh, gets decimated. And ultimately there are these like ghosts in this pool of water. It was really good. And I started um, reading more about the author and I came across this book he wrote and I, I, I ordered a, um, a paperback copy of it. And the book is called the Oni. Um, and this is what it's about. Um, Accidentally released from the hilt of a Japanese ceremonial sword, the Oni, an evil demon, is determined to leave a trail of bloody victims. So, um, I've got that coming in the mail, and uh, it's a, when you're done with that, if, if it's good, I definitely want. It's to a read horror that. novel. Um, yeah, the cover art's really good. It's got like a samurai sword, and on the handle is like this demon head on the bottom of it. Um, Nice. I'm pretty excited about that. And I also got this book coming in the mail um, called Nightblood. And it's from the Paperbacks from Hell uh, uh, publication or the imprint. So are you familiar with Paperbacks from Hell? Kind of, yeah. And I've heard of Nightblood before. So Paperbacks from Hell is this book that this um, these two guys put out. Um, Grady Hendrix and um, I always forget the other guy's name. And that's not very nice of me. But they put out this. How dare you? Well, Grady Hendrix's name is is always at the top, but it's this other guy I think who kind of helped and contributed. Um, but uh, they kind of like went over like sort of ridiculous horror novels from the eighties, and, and they started republishing some of the books that they talked about in paperbacks from hell. And this book, uh, Nightblood, is about a Vietnam veteran fighting vampires, and uh, apparently it's like an action horror novel which i really like that yep yeah i've heard of it before i definitely want to give it a try at some point i like action Um, monster things like there's yeah yeah yeah. i read a really good one called i should send this to you i read a really good one called it's called i should send this to you that's such a coinkadink because you should send it to me uh it's called i think it's called moonbane by al sarantonio and basically like it involves yeah it's a werewolf story. It's like a werewolf apocalypse, like a zombie apocalypse, but like with werewolves. Much and it's about survivors and there's like machine guns and stuff. But, um, and it's like, if I remember it correctly, it's like, there's like a perpetual full moon and that like, that's kind of a problem. And I would love to hear how that happened. The cover, the, the cover because art. The tides would not work anymore. I may be mis misremembering that but the uh the cover has like a space shuttle on a launch pad 
with a moon in the background and a werewolf in the foreground. And I'll just oh say that um, the story... That sounds like a Goosebumps cover. <laughs> the story takes place on uh, multiple uh, astral bodies. <laughs> what? Yeah. There's... Okay, you definitely have to send that to me. Also, is a, if, if a werewolf was on the moon, would he constantly be a wolf? Yes, yes, he would. Okay. And let me ask you a question. If you wanted okay. to get rid of all the werewolves and they, their cycle is tied to the moon, what what's one way you could do that? Blow up the moon. Maybe. Did I nail it? I, <laughs> Maybe I you I did. did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, where, where, do you think they're, where do you think they're going in that spaceship on the cover? <laughs> to the moon. Yeah. Bam, zoom, right to the moon. <laughs> That's what it should be on the back title, like some author's like blurb about the book should be ban zoom right to the moon. <laughs> um, I think this has gone long. I know enough. we I, we're supposed uh, to talk. I was just, this is a, this has been Dad Lit Podcast. Thank you all for listening to us tangent and ramble. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy the books that we discuss. If you haven't read them, I recommend them. Uh, and if you have read them, thanks for listening to our thoughts on it. If you have any thoughts of your own or you disagree with any of ours, you can uh, tell us. We encourage it. Email us at uh, dadlitpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at dadlitpodcast. We have a new theme music that is uh, featured on this episode. Uh, it is the track Meta Gears by Vitizen. You can find Vitizen's work on Spotify, but you can also find uh, links to wherever his music is on his website, vitizen.card.co. That's V-I-D-A-Z-E-N dot C-A-R-R-D dot co. He's a wonderful musician. I think he's on tour right now. Uh, check his stuff out. We also have podcast art for our episode art and for our Instagram. Uh, it's done by my friend, uh, and you can find his work on Twitter at it's Beeble Juice. That's Beeble as in B-E-E-B-L-E. And check check him out if you want to commission any sort of uh, photo altercations or um, like image design work. He might be available. Thank you all for listening. Connor, do you have any last anything else to say? Dad, you later. You do not mess with mess. the special investigators. Uh, apparently, apparently, so, you, apparently, people do. Well, don't well, <laughs> go to Denny's. Well, you stay. shouldn't. This episode brought to you by Denny's. Welcome to Denny's. Denny's, Denny's, Denny's. Thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna go have a, a delicious Grand Slam and a milkshake <laughs> after this at my favorite Denny's. Get out of here. Just don't ask questions.